Hello, and welcome to Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate, a show about buying and selling homes in Montana and the power realtors and power lenders that make that happen. We are your hosts, Colleen Wood. And I'm Alicia Retz. Each week, we will discuss the housing market, how to navigate it, and what questions you need to be asking yourself along the way. But that's not all. We will also dive into how to navigate the ins and outs of being leaders in business and how to build a robust and dynamic team within that business and navigating the world as a career-driven professional, all while raising a family. Join us as we share our highs and lows in real estate, business ownership, and motherhood. Welcome, welcome. Hey, girl. All right. I want the juice. In lending news today, what is happening? What are you seeing that's changing? Are interest rates moving around? Yeah, things are changing a lot. You know, the mortgage industry is just ever flowing, ever flowing all the time. It depends on the administration. It depends on, you know, kind of what's going on in our world. Some things, you know, COVID being involved last year and people putting all their houses into forbearance last year, whether they needed to or not, you know, kind of caused a lot of panic. And so there there definitely came along the lines of a lot of rules about forbearance. So, so talk to me about this. Yeah, yeah. So you cannot have a property in forbearance at the time of applying for a mortgage. You have to get that settled up, which a, a lot of people are like trying to... Wait, backtrack. Okay. okay. So t- for people who don't know, what is forbearance? Okay. Forbearance means... So last year when people were, you know, they, they were being laid off without being paid and their mortgages continued to be due. And so the federal government came out with an option that people could stop paying their mortgage payments and that those mortgage payments would be added onto the back of their loan. Or sometimes it depends on the lender that was added on as a second loan onto in second position on their mortgage. And so a lot of people, unfortunately, took it as an opportunity to get what they thought was free money. And so whether or not they had a job or not, there was absolutely no verification about whether or not financial hardship was actually happening. And people were just going out and putting their mortgages in forbearance. And to their credit, the lenders, the mortgage servicers were actually advertising it as an option. In fact, even the student loan servicers have been advertising it as an option. In fact, some of the student loan advertisers, uh, student loan servicers even just automatically put people's loans into forbearance on their student loans, whether they didn't lose their job or not. They just did it automatically. Interesting. But on our side of it, when you have a massive percentage of Americans that are stopping paying their mortgage payments, I mean, you just have to physically thinking about that. The mortgage investors out there freaked out. Because they have, like for me, I sell, I sell mortgages to people and then I fund them with what's called a warehouse line, which is like a revolving line of credit, like a credit card. And then once the loan is closed, we sell that loan on the secondary market in blocks called mortgage-backed securities. And they're sold, but if there's nobody to buy, I can't resell that money. And so what happened was all the people that all the investors that were supposed to buy, that were lined up to buy, just stopped buying. And so literally left investor, left lenders holding the bag. And because it was high risk, people were closing on a mortgage and then immediately without making a single payment going into forbearance, you know, so it was super scary. Really scary. Yeah. So some laws came out, some rules came out about forbearance and you can't go get another mortgage until, until you're out of forbearance. You have to fix that. 
you that's you, really tough. Yeah, yeah. Because you have once to you fix get that. behind, it's so yeah. hard to get caught up. Yeah, if you think if you went six months behind on your payments and now you just have to write a check and you didn't get a paycheck all that time, right? How are you going to correct that? You know, and and so. <laughs> It's definitely caused some turmoil, but the investors do not want um, somebody to have uh, a mortgage in forbearance. I mean, I get where they're coming from. It makes sense, but it's also, yeah, if you didn't make, like you said, for six months, that is so much money that feels like it's impossible to ever make happen again without selling. Okay, so has that affected interest rates at all? Or what are you seeing there? Um, interest rates are still holding pretty strong. Right. Um, there's, I mean, they're very, very reasonable where, you know, we're in the uh, mid to lower threes easily without having to pay discount points to buy them down. And, you know, that's, I'm not quoting rates by any means. It's just right. a ballpark. But something that we did see is that there was a government mandate that came out that that restricted the portfolios of investors that they only wanted portfolios to include only 7% of the loans to be for investment properties or second homes. And so what? as you can imagine, you know, 7% is a really small amount of your portfolio. I mean, we have a lot of people that have second homes in Bozeman or have second homes in, uh, even more in Big Sky, Jackson Hole, those those areas like um, yeah, there's I just a lot made of second homes. Yesterday on a, I'm going to make it another Airbnb, but that's crazy. That's a yeah. really small so percentage. So investment properties. So guess what happened to second home and investment property rates? Oh, they went up because they're trying to slow down the the influx of people buying those properties and getting mortgages on them. So I have unfortunately, to say this is a primary residence. Oops. No, yeah, yeah. Oops. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Previously, the second home interest rate was almost exactly the same as the primary residence. So we did that a lot. Like if somebody was, you know, leaving one state and they still had a job there and they wanted to buy in Montana and they were going to move to Montana eventually, but, you know, they still had a good job and it was going to be six months to a year before they actually made the move. We've like, seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of that. But, of you know, it was their intention to, to occupy as their primary residence. So they started out saying, well, it's going to be our home, but we were able to sell it as a second home because that's currently what the usage of the property was. And there really was no downside. Well, now there's a downside. Their interest rate is quite a bit higher on a second home. So what are, I know you can't give exact rates, but what do you ballpark for a second home? Um, I'm totally shooting from the hip. High threes, low fours. Okay. But that's a big difference in payments. It's a really big difference. Yeah. Shooting from the hip on that, but um, it makes sense. I've been seeing more people put their kids on their second home. Or like, because they're doing stuff like that, that they're yeah. in the area where it's going to be their primary residence. Yeah, because the kids are going to live in it. Yeah. Right. So that would make a lot of sense why I'm seeing more of that happen. We're doing a lot of yeah. amendments for it to get that interest rate lower. And we're seeing less investment property um, buyers right now. And, oh. you know, not only too, because, you know, prices are high. It's not yeah. exactly the best time to try to buy an investment property. Right. But, you know, in some cases it is, but investment property rates are quite a bit higher. Yeah, I'm finding very few that are great investment properties. We had to look into Spokane. We yeah. just bought a place in Spokane. We're flipping. Oh, good Because the market here is just tough. It is it is hard to find something that's going to cash flow with these prices so high. You're right. You're yeah. right. And, you know, we, we get a lot of people that will see, on you know, an interest rate on the television or they'll see it online and they're not reading all the small print and they'll be like, I thought the interest rate was 2.75 on an investment condo. Oh and I'm like, oh gosh, even with that. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what it is. But yeah, I like your fairyland. Right, um, right. Somewhere over the rainbow, there is that rate. And yeah, you can find it, but you're going to pay a big price for it. And the biggest thing for buyers to look at is they see everyone's so into the interest rate, they forget about the origination fee. Yeah. And it's, that can be such a thing that just like puts, you know, the blinders on for people. That's all they care about. 
I know that it origination kills me. fee can be so high. It'll take you yeah. years to pay off the difference. Yeah. It's not just about getting the lowest rate. It kills me. That's like, well, so-and-so said so that they can get me 2.75. And it's like, well, did you see that they're charging you $15,000 in origination fees? We're charging you, you know, $1,200 in origination fees. You know, it's not comparing apples to apples. So, you know, we have to, let's charge you the same amount of discount points and I'll show you what my rate is. And uh, something that I knew that is very exciting coming down the line is that Fannie Mae this month is going to be, yeah. So it used to be what it currently still is that if you have two borrowers, each one of them has three credit scores. You take the middle score of each of the credit scores, uh, each person's credit scores, and then you use the lower of the two. So if you've got somebody like one spouse has 800 credit scores and the other spouse has 600 credit scores, unfortunately, even though that one spouse has 800 credit scores, we have to use the 600 and some credit, the mid score. So, but in this month, um, Fannie Mae is coming out with the ability that those two mid scores are going to be averaged. I love that. That's very exciting. There has been so many transactions I've done where we've actually taken one of the spouses off. Yeah, yeah. And it's been, it's just because it's more of it. That's what's going to work it for them. It made better sense. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, yeah. re- and if you're a true team and you're buying something together, that's the way it should be. Well, it has to be okay at your house, right. you know? And, you know, we that's literally the question that we ask. Is it okay at your house if, you know, she's the only one that's obligated on the oh, mortgage, right. but yep. you're both going to go on title? Is that okay? Because in some houses, it's not okay. And, uh, yeah. We've seen that both ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of the time, I feel like people are like, yeah, whatever's going to get us into the home and gets us the best deal. That's what we want to do. But I have seen it where they're not happy about it. Yeah. I had a gal recently saying, it's my house and it's going to be my mortgage. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I may, okay. Have done that in my, I may have done that in my head a few times. It feels kind of nice. <laughs> so, I mean, interest rates have been holding strong through all of this craziness that we've been having this year. They're still phenomenal. And, you know, kind of the perspective that, you know, we've had such great rates for so long that people are kind of getting... Uh, lulled into a false sense of what the actual interest rate market should be. And, you know, we've been in the threes for such a long time that that we've forgotten that interest rates not very long ago were very comfortably in the fours and fives and or even higher sixes. Yeah, it was sixes forever. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, anytime you're quoting anything into that, into that spectrum, people are just aghast, especially right. our younger folks that the, all they've ever seen are super, super low interest right. rates. Unfortunately, I do think that they're going to get an education here. And, and I wouldn't say it's going to be immediately, but in our future, we will probably see higher interest rates. I was rates. just going to ask you that. Do you yeah. think I mean, they have been so low for so long. You yeah. think they're going to start going up? I don't think that they're going to start going up right away. They're not forecasted to, but you know, we do have a significant inflation issue going on right now. And that is a cure for, for inflation is, you know, inflation means like your dollar is not worth as much. Like for your dollar, you cannot buy as much home. We know that. That's true. That's true. So clearly we know that right now. That's a very obvious thing. So it's being inflated. It's not just in homes, it's in vehicles. It's in everything that you buy. It's in a loaf of bread, a gallon of milk, everything has an inflated. And so the way that they can counterbalance that is to slow that down and bring prices down by increasing interest rates because it will naturally slow the market. Yeah, that's, I totally agree. Um, And I do foresee it going up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not like tomorrow, but it's really the only fix. And that's, yeah. 
Okay. I think we need to get comfortable with high high threes and low fours. Yeah, I agree. And you know, honest to goodness, we were selling just as many mortgages when when interest rates were in the fours, and people were thrilled with with four point two five. They were, were thrilled. I remember when it first went under five. It was like the biggest deal. Everyone was so pumped. They were so excited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you have to kind of conceptualize. If you were to loan somebody four hundred thousand dollars of your money, if you were to write them a check. Would you let them have that money for 30 years for only 2% no, interest? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Yeah. So like, let's, you know, I, I just always like to just keep it in perspective. Let's right. rein it in here a little bit and, you know, not get too panicked. An eighth interest difference or a quarter interest difference is not going to be monumental. And currently mortgage interest continues to be tax deductible. So right. it's all good stuff. And if interest rates do go up astronomically out of nowhere, the housing market's going to go down. It all yep. comes Prices down. Prices will come down. Exactly. So it all really comes down to what your payment is and what you can afford. Absolutely. Yep. Cash to close and how much you pay every yep. month. So I want to change topics just a little bit, still keeping yeah. in the lending world. I'm working with some reverse mortgages right now. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about reverse mortgages. I, I love reverse mortgages. I, I love them. Yes. Okay. So what are they? How do they work? Okay. Well, so number one, the original reverse mortgage product that came out with was just kind of like they, it was intended to do great things for older folks and they didn't really think through all the issues that could possibly happen. Surprise, surprise. I mean, it's hard to create things and then be able to foresee what they look like 15 years down the road. So the original reverse mortgage product kind of caused some problems because it had, you know, when we'll just say the husband got a reverse mortgage and didn't put the wife on it because, you know, maybe she had never been on a mortgage or for whatever reason. And then he passed away. The wife was getting booted out of the house. And as, you know, as a widow and as an older person, and she just lost her husband and she was getting booted out of the house. And that was really tough. So the government actually stepped in. Previously, that was kind of a private product. The government just stepped in and they created an FHA-backed reverse mortgage product. And that's what we're seeing out there right now. It's backed by the FHA, um, meaning that uh, lots of things. So... Number one, you have to be 62 years old. Oh, in 62. Order. I thought it was 65. Okay, I great. think it's 62. I think you're right. I think it's 62. Yeah. Fact check. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it, so you have to be of a certain age in order to be able to apply. We generally do re request that make sure that both spouses are on the, are, are of this certain age, 62, 65, forget which it is that so that they both can go on the mortgage. That's really important. So if one is one's 59 and one's 62, can they still get a reverse mortgage? They can, but they probably want to do a reverse mortgage refinance once the other Got one it. jumps into 62 because whoever is on the mortgage, that's, that's who the rules are, are attached to. So it's really important that when you're doing estate planning and you're planning for, you know, later stage in life that you're making these plans. So you do have to be of a certain age in order to do it. You do need to have considerable equity in the home. So right. kind of ballpark is about 50%. We see a lot of older folks that have their houses paid I, down really, really low. I was going to say most of the ones I've seen, they have the house paid off. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's right. It's It's been the American dream, especially for baby boomers. You know, that was like the whole, they worked their whole life to pay their house off so that they didn't have to have a mortgage payment in retirement. But guess what? They generally are on a fixed income or they don't have an income. They have a lower income. 
And what happens when life happens and they need to access that money? All of their money is tied up in that house. And the only way for them to access it is to do a cash out refinance. Generally, they don't have a lot of income and then they have to have a mortgage payment at that point. Exactly. Or they have to sell their home and then where are they going to live? Right. So I use the example like my dad has a 1997 Dodge 2500 and it is... It's old. It has like 350,000 miles on it and he'll drive it down the interstate and it literally will start on fire. Like the engine (laughs) will start on fire and he'll pull over and dump his water bottle on it and to put out the fire and then he'll close the hood and he'll drive on. I'm like, dad, this is not sustainable. You need to buy something else. This is you. You've put 350,000 miles on this pickup. It's done. 350,000 miles. Yeah, it's done. And so he's like, and he said to me, he's like, I don't have the ability. I don't have the income. I'm on a fixed income. I can't make a mortgage pay. I mean, I can't make a vehicle payment, especially at the price the vehicles are now. I mean, your vehicle payments are eight hundred to a thousand dollars or twelve hundred bucks at this point. They're almost expensive. Yeah, yeah, you can't find a car. So I was talking to him because you know his home is paid for, but he didn't want to do cash out refinance because then he'd have a mortgage payment, and then we're back to square one, and he just paid off his house. So what a reverse mortgage allows you to do is it allows you to be able to access the equity in your home. So you do not have a payment, a mortgage payment at all, but you can either take some of the equity in your home, either in a lump sum, you can get like a monthly payment um, sent to you, or you can just draw on it as you need to. Like if you want to go on vacation, or if you, you know, you have a medical event, or you need to buy a new car, or something like that, you could pull on it as you needed to. But the best part is, is that you get to stay in the home. Yep. Yep. It's and, such a brilliant yeah. way to, and then also if you think about, so if they do a reverse mortgage on their home and they could basically pull on it for 30 years if they had to, and yeah. then they're 90 by the time they pass yeah. and then their, you know, their family will figure it out then, but it's a great way for, to keep them afloat. Mm-hmm. So like you said, stay in their home yeah, and get some income coming in. Right. Exactly. So they can have some income coming in or just not have that payment at all and just have an access to, to some of that cash. Yep. But you know, what the, what the most exciting thing is, is that they don't have that payment. They get to stay in that home until they either pass away or um, they have not occupied the home as their primary residence for a long period of time. How long is that period? Do you know? You and your fact checks. <laughs> I like, I have to look this crap up every single, I think it's either six months or a year. Okay. That they, you know, so like they just move out and they're no longer occupying as primary residence. So what happens is, is that the reverse mortgage investor will come in and they'll say, hey, you need to sell your house or, you know, you need to occupy as your primary or you need to refinance or right. something like that. So here's the thing though. This is the most common pushback that we get. Oftentimes, it's not the elderly folks that have the pushback from it. They see the value. It's the people that would generally be in line as their get, heirs. Yep. I was going to say that. Yep. And this is where I get a little crabby. Yep. Um, because, you know, mom and dad didn't work their asses off their entire life to pay off their house just to give it to you. And mom and dad should not live in poverty just so that they can give all their equity to you. Yes, this is what they've worked for their entire lives. And now they can enjoy their retirement, enjoy their last years of not having to work. I completely agree. I've seen the same thing where they, yeah, it's basically their kids that are mad that they're pulling from it because there's now going to be, they're not going to have as much equity in the house. Yeah, they're not going to be able to get as much money from their mom and dad when they kick the bucket. And that's just really selfish. I completely agree. You know, there's a lot of older folks that end up in nursing homes or assisted living care facilities, not because they need to have assisted living or because they need to have in-house nursing care, but because 
they can't afford to live in their home. Yes. And so, it, you know, it, it keeps older folks in their home longer. It keeps them feeling independent. It, you know, the cost of living in an assisted living facility it or- is astronomical. I mean, think it about, so you know, expensive. even if mom does need some sort of a little bit of help, if you could be able to send a nurse to her home and make her, you know, feel like she's still in her home and Completely. she's living there. Yeah. And they had like the Meals on Wheels program, but we did yeah. that with my grandma where we had somebody come just check on her once a day. Yeah. And it was really great to know that she's one getting that interaction and she gets to stay in her home. It and she really feels nice. independent. Exactly. And that's important. It it's is. important for those folks to be able to continue their routine. I mean, we're talking about super old people at this point, but you know, even just for people that are of retirement age, if you have equity in your home, you know, once I turn, I think it's 62. It's, it's, okay. That's what's that's what I'm leaning towards. Okay. That's where, that's where my heart's you. telling me. I, I trust you more um, than me on the topic. So, even if you don't need it, even if you don't need it, get one and just let it sit. I don't do anything. Yep. It just, I mean, so you are required to uh, maintain the home and you're required to pay your taxes and your insurance. I Everything mean, else which is- Which is stuff that they would already be doing anyway. Yes. So there is an interest rate on it. You do accrue interest yep. on the money that you've pulled. Um, which is also, again, you're giving, I mean, that's the way it yeah. should be. So yes. Yeah. yeah. So what happens when mom and dad die? This is um, a question that happens a lot. Literally exactly the same thing that happens when your mom and dad die without a reverse mortgage. There's a mortgage to be paid off. It's the reverse mortgage and there's a house to sell yep. or the kids, you know, kids can buy it or whatever you got. But so you sell the house, you pay off the mortgage. If the mortgage is, you know, if, if they've used all of their reverse mortgage, which cannot be 100% right. of the value of the home, it's not allowed to be. So there will be some equity in there. If they use 100% of it, that, that mortgage is going to get paid off. And then any equity that's potentially left would be left to the heirs just like it normally is. It just might be less than what you originally thought. Right. But mom and dad should be able to spend their own money. And so, yeah, if you, let's just for easy numbers, that the home is worth 100,000, they're only going to pull $50,000 out of it. You're never going to be underwater. You're not going to be at $150,000 mm -hmm. of what you owe on the house. Well, that's the other part of the FHA insurance on the product is that the government came in and it's backed by the FHA. So it has like a mortgage insurance behind it. So it has a guaranteed appreciation rate, which I believe is 4% a year, guaranteed no matter what the market does. So wow. even if, so like we're in the height of the market right now. So say your house is worth $500,000 right now when you get your mortgage, uh, your reverse mortgage, and you know, the values of your home go down over the years because, you know, there, maybe there's a bubble or whatever it is the value of that home is going to continue to appreciate. Yes. You know, so you're not going to go back. That's part of the FHA insurance. So there is, there's fees that go along with that. Part of that is paying into that insurance policy, you right. know? And right. so is it a cheap program? No, it's no. not. But it definitely has a lot of benefits for people just to make sure that they have access to that cash because equity is just this mythical thing that you can't ever touch. <laughs> it, you've given all this money to somebody else and you can't ever get it back. And this is how you can. Yeah, it's a great option for a lot of people. I love it. Yes. Well, Colleen, as always, you're just a wealth of information and I appreciate it. You betcha. All right. That's what I'm here for. I'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode of Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate. Mm -hmm.